Welcome to the Potter's House Community Church's podcast. Join us weekly as we feature our Sunday sermons. The Potter's House Community Church exists to help people be shaped by God to be followers of Jesus Christ. We hope today's message encourages you as we dive into God's Word. So grab your favorite drink and let's listen to today's sermon. So show me your mysteries, my God. Anybody here on the new Rose Valley water system treatment plant? Yeah? Yeah, a few people kind of excited about that, right? Um, those of us that, that, that live in that area, which I'm in the area that it's so bad that like they haven't even connected that to our area yet because our area, I don't know. It, yeah, we're on the sunny side where they just pump it out of the lake and then hit it with bleach and send it in my house. Um, like they don't even filter it. So, um, but uh, well, it's coming for us is what they tell me. Um, but anyway, uh, we're, we're excited about this, right? Like, I mean, this is a good thing for our community, uh, for those that live in, in those areas. Um, and, but why? Why is it a good thing? Well, it's a good thing for obvious reasons, right? They, they take this new plant, it takes water that could literally make you sick and something that, that could kill you. I mean, a little extreme, but you know, we did have uh, somebody here this summer uh, from the States who got sick off of the water because the plant wasn't open yet. Um, and it can make you sick. It can make you, it can do bad things to you. And it takes that and it makes it something that's clean and pure and life-giving. And so we're, we're excited about this thing. And that correlates with what we're going to be looking at today in Colossians, where Paul is talking about what happens uh, when, when we become Christians. What is, it that, what is the change that takes place in our lives when we come to Christ? And in Colossians 1, I'm going to start in verse 21. We're only going to cover three verses today. Um, but I'm going to read all of those and then we'll go back and kind of work through them. But Colossians 1, starting in verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. And so we looked at last week um, kind of what, who Jesus is and kind of what he's done. But now this week, he, Paul takes that and he applies it directly to the Colossians. These are the believers in Colossae. And he says, hey, here's the truth. Here's the reality for who you are. This is who you are. And he starts with, this is who you used to be. He starts with, you were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. It's interesting there that he doesn't say alienated from blank. He just says, you're alienated. And as I, you know, first read that, my natural thought is in, in context. It's like, well, you're alienated from Jesus. You're alienated from God. You're, you're alienated from him. But then as I thought more on it, I think, I'm like, man, there's a whole lot more that you're alienated from. Because without Jesus, you're alienated from the gospel 
You're alienated from the truth. You're alienated from Jesus. You're alienated from Christians. You're alienated from that which is good. You're alienated from that which is holy. You're alienated from true hope, true peace, true love, true joy, true patience, true kindness, true goodness, true gentleness, and true faithfulness. You're alienated from all these things and so much more. Because when you become a Christian, when you, when you give your life to Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive all of these blessings into your life that are compounded upon each other. And before that moment, you're an alien from those things. You're foreign from those things. Those things do not have a place in your life. And even though you might not know it, that's the case. That's the reality. So many of us, even when we look back um, to the moment where we came to faith in Christ and we received these things in our life, we, we didn't even really know at that moment what all we were missing out on. We didn't know like what there was that could be had. But yet it's there and it's available. He goes on, not just that they're alienated, but that they were hostile in mind. What does that mean? That means of the things of God, of the things that which were good, actually they were against those things. And you might say, well, I wasn't really against those things. I'm like, well, were you? Hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And this is, this is the reality is that that's, who we are as mankind apart from Christ. We are alienated from God. We are hostile in mind and we do evil deeds. Had a conversation with, with uh, my daughter yesterday about in a certain situation, things didn't go the way that she wanted them to. And the other person didn't respond the way that she wanted to. I said, honey, sometimes that's the way it happens. You know, sometimes people are just mean. You know, and that's that's just just a reality. That's a truth. Um, Paul explains this in kind of greater detail when he's writing to the Ephesians. This, this is a, a beautiful thing when he covers the same topic in different places, and so we can go look at him and see what he says in other places. But Ephesians um, chapter two, starting in verse one, he says this: "And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked." Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And so that's pretty damning words there. What Paul is pointing out in these passages is the fact that mankind is by nature separated from God. This is what we are born into. This is our natural state, is that we are separated from God and that we live based on our own hearts, our own desires, our own sinfulness, and we don't live based on him and who he is and what he has done. But then something happens. 
This is, this is the good news of this passage, and the good news for many of us in this room is that that's who you once were. That's who you once were. This is past tense for these people that he's writing to. For you, I don't know if it's past tense or present tense, but for these people, it was past tense, and for you, it can also be past tense. I want to encourage you with that, because what happens is what comes next in verse 22 He, who's the he? Jesus is the he. Jesus has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. What has he done? He's done it all. He's come. Behold him. He has come. He has taken on flesh. He's become a man. He's become one of us. He lived as one of us and he died on a cross for us. And when he did that in his body and by his blood, in his death, he paid the price for you and for me where we can be redeemed, where we can be rescued from being apart from him. In that passage in Ephesians that I just read, it it said you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Which leads me to the question, well, how dead are you? And what can a dead thing do to make itself alive? Nothing. If you're dead, your only hope is somebody else giving you life. Somebody else reviving you, somebody else taking care of you. And that's what Jesus does. He is that hope. He comes in and he brings life to that which is dead. He brings new life. He brings new creation. He brings all of this goodness, all of the good things that I just mentioned. He brings all of that to bear where you once were alienated from it all and he brings it all in and he makes you a new creation, a new life. And he gives that into you and makes you into something that you were not before. And that's the big change that happens. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Because it goes on there and it says, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. What does that mean? It means he takes, another scripture talks about our filthy rags. That's, that's what it talks about, our good things. It says our filthy rags. That's the Bible's nice way of saying toilet paper. It takes our used toilet paper, which is, is our efforts at being good. Our, our efforts uh, at even our best day are but filthy rags before him. And he takes that and he exchanges that and he makes us into something that is holy and blameless and above reproach. So that when we stand before him, we can be found as he would be found. Scripture is clear. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.10, you can look at that one on your own, uh, tells us about the fact that all mankind will stand before Jesus and give account. And our only hope in that situation is to be found blameless and holy, not by our own standard, not by our own doing, but by him, by what he's done for us. He took our sin on himself so that he could give us his holiness and righteousness in its place. So that when we are judged, we're judged not based on our merit, but but on his goodness. People want to talk about Christianity not being fair. That's the only thing that's not fair. He had to take it all on himself for us. And he did that for us. Going back to the Ephesians passage, again in Ephesians 2, 
um, going on. It says, uh, we can go to four and five. Um, do you have that one in there, George? But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And that's the good news. That's the hope that we have as Christians is not that we are being good enough, not that we are going to somehow please God by our actions, but our hope is in the fact of what Jesus did. And he says, and here, I'm rich in mercy and I'm just going to pour this over you. It's a great love with which he has loved us. So what does it mean to be saved? It means that, that left your own devices, you were hopeless. You were dead in your sin. But the good news is Jesus has come in to save you. Jesus has come in to rescue you. He came on a rescue mission and his mission was successful. And he's come in to save you and restore you and bring holiness and goodness into your life so that you can stand before him. So that's on God's side of salvation. Jesus saves us. Jesus makes us alive. But what happens on our side of things? What is it that we need to do in response to the gospel, in response to who he is? Let's, let's look at, at what, what Paul says here in verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which Paul became a minister. So if he's telling them to continue in something, what does that mean? That means that they first started in that thing to start with. You cannot continue in something that you have not started, right? Can you guys go there with me? And so he's saying you need to continue in the faith. That's where new life in Christ starts. It starts in faith and in hope. Hope of what? Hope of the gospel that they have heard. The good news that they have heard. And that's where it starts for the Christian. That's where this change happens. This is where God brings in the new life in you. And on his side, that's what he's doing. He's making, taking something that's dead and he's making it alive. But on our side, what we experience and what we see is going on is we hear the gospel. We hear the fact that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he came, he lived a sinless life. He died on a cross. He was buried because he was dead. He rose again three days later and he ascended to the right hand of the Father after he appeared to many witnesses. This is the good news that we have heard. That he has died for us. He has taken our place for us so that we can be made right with him. And these people, they've heard this truth. They've heard this gospel and they have placed their faith in it and that is where the change has happened for them. If you've never had that change happen in your life, I encourage you, that's what you need today. You need to believe in these facts, have faith in these facts, and say, yes, I do believe in Jesus. I believe in what he's done, and I believe that he can give me this new life that Wayne's talking about. Reach out and pray to him and ask him to do that in your life. And so on our side, new life as a Christian starts with faith in the fact that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again and he's been seen by many. Now, if you ever struggle with 
someone asks you, like, what, what exactly is the gospel? Well, that's it. But you might say, well, well where's scripture for that, Wayne? Okay. 1 Corinthians 15. Um, it says this. Paul, again, is writing here. And so if he's saying there, hey, the gospel that you receive that I'm a minister of, another place where he says this is the gospel that I've preached, he's talking about the same thing. Now, I remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So Paul is saying like, hey, here's the facts that have happened. And he's telling the Corinthians, hey, there's over 500 people you can go to and talk to to verify this. You can go ask any of them. They're still over here. Yeah, a few have died already, but they're here. You can talk to them. You can have firsthand eyewitness experience of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So that's the good news. That's the gospel. And I encourage you that if you don't have that in your life, Ask him for it today. Believe in him. Believe in what he has done. And ask him to be your Lord and bring that new life to you. Now, that's the first section of our sermon. And that's the kind of, yeah, we can all easily agree if we're Christians on that part. Now, this next part is where we get a little funny. Okay? where we might have some different understandings of this verse. Because did you catch in verse 23 what he, what he says here? He, he says in 22 that they, they're going to be presented before Jesus as holy and blameless and above reproach. And then he gives an unconditional clause. He says, if, if indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And so some would take this to this passage to to say with and they have some other passages they, they use to support it as well, um, to say that, that a Christian can can be saved and then they can lose that salvation. They would take this passage to say, see, you have to continue in the faith. If you if you don't, then you lose it. You won't be able to stand before him. Now, I want to tell you that's not my view. That's not my, my theology and my understanding when I look at the totality of Scripture. Um, but it's one that I can understand where they come from and how they get it from some passages. Uh, my view is that if you truly are saved, if you truly are made new by Jesus, then you are secure in him. And that's something that's going to carry you to the end. So um, where do I get that from? Let's look over at John chapter 10. Is a good passage on this. Um, yeah, George, you beat me to it, so I'll just read off the screen. Uh, John chapter 10, starting in verse 25. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe the words that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. 
but you don't, do not believe because you are not among my sheep. So he's talking to some of the religious leaders there that were really giving him a hard time. So this is what he says. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father has given them to me as greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. And so this goes into that second point we looked at today of when Jesus calls you, if you hear his voice, then that means you're his sheep and you're coming to him. And he's saying, if, if you're my sheep, you're coming to me. And when you come to me, then, then you are put in my hand. And I don't know about you, but have, have you ever played with a kid and like you've got something in your hand and they, they try to like pull your fingers back to, to get it out? You ever played that game with a kid? Well, the thing is that that only works if, the, if you're either incredibly weak or the kid's incredibly strong or you choose to loosen your hand, right? Well, the thing is with Jesus, there's no one more powerful. In fact, he, he doubles down here. He says they're in my hand, but also, by the way, they're in the Father's hand, God the Father. They're secure in his hand. And so with us together, I don't think anybody's snatching them away is what, what, the way I understand this. Now, to be fair to those who say that, that it is possible to lose your salvation, they, they say, yeah, it says you can't be snatched away, but you could jump on your own. And I'm like, you know what? I think the no one includes yourself. I don't think you can snatch yourself away. So how then, if, if we hold to that, and that's, and that's what I believe, and I'm not saying that's what you have to believe, but that's what I believe, if we hold to that, then how do we make sense of this Colossians passage? Why does he put the conditional statement here? Why does he say, if indeed you continue in the faith? If you hold steadfast to the hope of the gospel, why does he say that? Because here's, here's my understanding on this. I believe that if you are secure in his hand, then you are going to continue in the faith. You are going to remain steadfast in your hope that's found only in him. You're not gonna to wanna to turn to other things. And so if that is where you find yourself, and this is where it gets personal, this is where it gets hard for us because I'm sure almost everyone in this room who's a believer has someone they love and they care about that it, who, who at one point in their life made a profession of faith in Jesus. They indicated that they believed in the gospel and yet now they are not walking in it. Now they do not walk with the Lord. And so I get that this, this is personal. This isn't just theological, this is personal. And so how, how do we make sense of that? Here's how I make sense of that. I make sense of it as either, if you, if you are not currently walking with the Lord, then you do not have assurance of salvation. And so for anyone who you love and you care about that you do not see that they, they are walking in the faith, then the best thing you can do for them is to continue to share the gospel with them and point them to Jesus because they need to come to him. And it's one of two cases in that situation. Either one, yes, they were genuinely saved before and they're gonna come back. 
And because God has secured them in his hand, even though he's letting them wander for a little bit, he's going to bring them back in. And then what they need in that case is they need to be reminded of the gospel. They need to be reminded of the truth of the gospel and the faith in which they've had. The other case is the fact that even though they might have said something, even though they might have indicated something at one point in their life, it was not genuine. They were not truly born again. And in that case, what do they need? They need the gospel. They need to be pointed to Jesus Christ. And so, so that, that comes up in this verse. I wanted to bring it to you. We can have different understandings on, what, on how these things work. But I want to offer you of the greatest assurance that if you are a Christian and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you do not have to operate in fear that all of a sudden that's going to be ripped away from you. In fact, what, what that should tell you is that your heart is drawn to him and you're going to want to stay with him and you're going to want to continue in that faith and in that steadfastness and in that faithfulness. So let your heart be assured of that. Let, you, let yourself be encouraged by that. For those that we love who aren't walking in it right now, let us pray for them. And let us live out the gospel before them as Jesus is working in our lives. And let us share that with them. Because Christians are secure in Jesus Christ. And if they are, then they will live like it. If you're secure in Jesus, then you're going to live like it. You're going to want to live like it. You might have times or even periods of times where you don't where you stray, where you wander off, where you're not walking in it like you should. Many of us have those, those times as, as part of our stories. But in the end, if you are genuinely a Christian and you're genuinely saved, he's going to bring you back around. And so I encourage you, if that's you, come back. Come back. Quit wasting time. There's so much better life that's, that's here for you, walking in the spirit and walking in faith than whatever it is you're living in right now. Let's pray together. Jesus, I want to lift up to you those that are on my heart right now that I, I know who have at one point professed faith in you but are not currently walking with you. Lord, if you genuinely save them, I pray that you bring them back, draw them in, bring them to the end of themselves and let them see the goodness that is in you and a life lived for you. If it, they've never genuinely been saved, I pray that you will bring the gospel to them and that you will do that work in their life, that you will take what is dead and make it alive that you will bring all of the blessings and the goodness of the Holy Spirit to bear on their lives. Lord, I know many of us in here have these people that we love and care about and we're praying for. And I pray for each of them today. I pray that you work in the way that only you can. And Lord, most of all, we want to thank you for the good work you've done in our lives. That even though we were alien, you brought us in and made us known. We were foreign from you, but now we know you. 
And I want to give you praise and glory and honor for that. Pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Feel free to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share with others. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at www.potterschurch.ca or you can connect with us also on social media. Tune in next week for a brand new episode of our weekly sermon series. We hope that you have such an amazing rest of your day. Don't you feel yourself.